0: Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Scottish Cup finalists 2020 Heart of Midlothian Football Club. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by Mark Donaldson.
1: Laurie, what a weekend. What a weekend it was. What a win. I'm delighted with that, but this podcast today is it's a, it's a tough one. Because the win was great, but the win in 2012, when we beat Hibs 5-1 in, in what a lot of people think is the ultimate cup final, we no longer have our cup-winning captain um, with us. So this is, this is going to be a, an up-and-down, a, a happy and sad, mixed podcast. Um, they gave with one hand and they took with another. This is Marius Zalucus' tribute podcast. And also, of course, contains the victory over Hibernian. So delighted to say, we've we've got a special guest with us today, Laurie.
0: We do returning again. Someone who's obviously got too much time on his hands because he's back. <laughs> it's uh, Mr. Ryan McGowan. Hi guys, how are you? I'm good. How are you? The um, you you've become a, a champion again since we last had you on, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, um,
2: yeah. It was pretty good I got to go back to finish off the season and um, yeah we, we wrapped up the minor premiership that they call it which is basically the league but then we went into the final series and won that as well so um, yeah it's been a pretty good couple of months and um, then got to come back here and, and spend some time with the girls and my little boy so it's been um, yeah it's been a pretty good couple of months for myself.
0: And now you're returning to Hearts. Um, that deal was <laughs> just just a bit over the line, I think you said, before we came on air.
2: Yeah, it was depending on if they made the cup final or not. So now yeah, they in the cup final, i trying okay. get back. But, so you, you are, know, you gonna, are, you,
1: are you just going to come back, um, play in the cup final for Hearts, <laughs> up again like you normally do, and take your medal and score from a yard out and smile and get on a plane?
2: I'd love to do that again, but um, yeah, I've got another, another year at Sydney, and then we'll see what happens from there. But uh yeah, you know, I was, like anyone really, It was delighted about the result at the weekend, but like Mark touched on earlier, it was um, a little bit bittersweet um, hearing the news about Marius as well.
0: Yeah, so we're going to split the show into into two sort of parts, and we're doing it in an order of importance, and Hearts beating Hebs at Hamden will be spoken about, but before that we will discuss, you know, the tragic news that emerged on Saturday, which um, puts things into perspective certainly when we heard about former heart skipper Marius um having passed away at the age of just 36 after suffering from motor neuron disease so we will get into that first and we will speak about the Heart Midlothian Hibernian match as well and just before that just establish Ryan is not coming back to Hearts yet he is still contracted to Sydney <laughs> we're not going to be part of that rumour mill not at this stage
2: yeah thank you for that Otherwise my phone and Twitter and everything would be going crazy like it did a couple of weeks ago.
3: Straight <laughs> for Pat Fenlund, nightmarish for the Hits fans. But Hearts have won at the William Hill Scottish Cup. Edinburgh will be painted maroon tonight. A massive poke in the high, the eye for the high funny as so Salyukas lifts. Scottish Cup
1: Let's well, hear from the captain Marius Eliukas.
3: Marius fantastic fantastic scenes behind you here just what an afternoon for Hunch. Ha, it's <sighs> brilliant. It's listen. Honestly it's a brilliant feeling, Kane. probably the label football for that. You've been around this club a long time. You've grown to love this club. Just what does it mean for you personally? now nah, this club, honestly, is going to take a place over here inside of me. And all the time I'm going to come to visit over here this team to watch again, it's, it's brilliant. And a very big party tonight. Oh, aye. And tomorrow as well. Well done. Thank you.
0: So, Marius that was the sound of... Cup final eight years ago and a certain captain lifting the trophy and then a, a brief post-match interview. Um, I guess before we get into it, Ryan, uh, you would have known Zalukas Marius, um, unlike Mark and myself, who knew him as a player, but but not as, I suppose, a colleague and a, and a friend. I was just saying, um, it's very tricky to actually find um, many kind of clips of Zalukas doing interviews. He didn't seem to like the limelight too much, did he?
2: Yeah, it was, um, um, you know, at the start, I think it was a combination of, you know, he wasn't too confident with his English, although his English was um, good in sort of a, a changing room environment or in a environment where, you know, you can get away with saying things that maybe doesn't make sense, whereas in media, I think there's that massive fear of saying the wrong thing and it gets taken totally out of contents, and mm-hmm. so he was very much not afraid of it as such, but he just, he just didn't enjoy that, but he was definitely a big character, um, in and around the changing rooms, and um, you know it's that kind of old cliche, and, and you see it all the time when when tragedy happens, and everyone says you know all the positive things about him. And but you know this one's kind of true. I think everyone that's met or so even just been in his company, seen you know he always had a massive big smile on his face. He always he didn't take himself too seriously, and um, yeah, you know he just really enjoyed being at Hearts and being the captain and, and everything that went along with that. And um, I think sometimes people miss out on, on what a good player he was for you know, so many games that he that he played for, Hearts.
0: Yeah, he signed for Hearts in August 2006, like many at the time, on a loan deal from FBK Kaunas. He was only 22 at the time. First appearance was against Osasuna in a friendly. That was actually prior to the loan deal being finalised at Murrayfield. Gordon, Nielsen, Berra all played in that game actually. And a month later he'd make his competitive debut home to Inverness. Interesting, I saw your tweet or one of the tweets that you put out at the weekend and I'll just I'll just read out here. You said Maris was an example to everyone trying to make it in football. For years he got a hard time off fans, called a bomb scare, not good enough. He stuck at it, worked hard, and ended up skippering the club to one of the greatest results while winning the Scottish Cup trophy. Uh, rest easy, mate. Um and there there's similar kind of messages from a few people. I'll read another one. Paul said, a player who came in at a time when it was a revolving door of players from overseas, many of whom we couldn't forget quick enough. He defied the odds, stayed the distance and gave him my greatest moment as a Hearts fan. Legend isn't a strong enough word. But I have to confess, I mean, I'm I'm thinking back to the early days with Zalyukas and even later on. Um, I remember a game we played in defensive midfield at Celtic Park in November 2006. And, I for a lot of the time he was at hearts was one of those fans who you like you said giving him a hard time I think even in that last season you know I'd be lying if I said I was still completely sold on him but that was part of I guess why it's such a different journey and you know maybe it talks how it talks about how big his character was because he had to go through a lot of hard times a struggle early on when he was adjusting maybe getting played out of position and and, and he, and he obviously he, he had a few errors, but one thing you have to say, he never hid in matches. He always seemed to be a big character, and that final and the way it ended, it just showed how much he turned it around. It wasn't like a Rudy where he walked in and he scored pretty much every week for the first two months. You know, it was a, a lot harder for him. And I think you were, it was very poignant what you said that it's a different sort of message with with his journey with Hearts.
2: Yeah, I think even um, Andrew Driver spoke about it as well because I think. At the start, Myrus was kind of thrown in that you know there's ten or twelve trialists and they're all rubbish and it was very much Scotland against them and it, you know it, we, even within the change room and Myrus was probably that first one to break that barrier in terms of like the Lithuanians used to kind of maybe sit in the corner and very much keep to themselves and and that came down to a lot of things in terms of. If you move to anywhere, like Scotland's famous for it, when it, me and my mates go away somewhere, they want to go to a Scottish bar and they want to go to a Scottish pub. They, like you just want to surround yourself with people that you're comfortable with. And Myers was probably the first one that, you know, moved away from that group and sort of started speaking to, you know, not so You He spoke to the younger boys maybe first because... He was, I don't know. He thought he could maybe get away with, you know, the the things that he would possibly say, and we would teach him, and we were in a bit of war with him because he was a senior player and he played for Lithuania and played at Hamden and everything that went along with that. But, um, yeah, you know, from a, a footballing perspective, I think everyone forgets. You know, he did get a bit of a rough time. He got sent off, I think, three or four times in his first season. And, um, but I was watching the hearts um, sort of montage that they put up on Twitter and. I think it was a cup game against Livingston and he'd um, given away the ball and they scuffed up through and Mark McNulty scored and then yeah. he kind of went up the other end and scored. And, you, you know, you could be very much like, you know, get it up here because the fans were giving him a hard time and we were, thinking under the pump a little bit at, at that stage of the season. But he was very much like, yeah, I accept. I, I made a mistake. He put, put his hands up and he was, you know, apologetic of him making a mistake. Whereas a lot of players don't do that, do you know what I mean? They'd be very much like, oh, like, why are they getting on my back or, you know, the crowd's against me and they're picking on me, whereas he was like, yeah, I possibly didn't play well and I've made a few mistakes, but that doesn't show my responsibility of being one of the older players and, and taking that responsibility. And, you know, for a younger player coming through, I, I used to really admire him for for doing that because as a young player, going out and playing at Tynecastle and fans getting on your back, it's, it can be quite difficult, but he was one that was very much like, Do you know what? They'll probably come for me before they'll come to a homegrown Scottish player. And, you know, I'm big enough to handle that and, you know, kind of set that example of, you know, we are going to make mistakes, but it is how you react to it. And um, I think that's why he became such a a good captain and and why he was so well respected amongst the the playing group.
1: He was very likable, Ryan, because he was daft. And not, not so much to the press. I mean, there's been some good stories um, from press conferences and, and him, I think Jamie Borthwick, put something out on Twitter uh, prior to the Hearts-Hibs Cup final in 2012, a press conference where he, he kind of answered a couple of questions and then disappeared because he said he had a chicken in the oven um, <laughs> that he, he, need, he needed to attend to. So he, he was daft. Take us inside the, the changing room, um, if you will, at the start, because I think there were five Lithuanians I would consider successful at the football club. The wingers, Mikul Yunus and Chesnowskis, Velitska who, who went on to have a good career. Uh, Jankauskas, who had a fantastic career, was a bit older when he came to Hearts, And Zalukis would be the other one. So the fact that there were as many Lithuanians at that time, in addition to all the waifs and strays and competition winners that came over, because um, <laughs> Vlad was, was trying to do that, but those five, and, and Marius especially, How were they perceived at the beginning, given their association with the owner? Were you kind of, well, got to be careful around them because they've got this hotline to the owner, or was he daft as a brush when he first came in and you kind of got to know him nice and early and you got to like him?
2: Yeah, uh, probably a a combination of all of the things you said. They were very much... They obviously kept to themselves, so you were very wary of what they were saying and, and because English wasn't their first choice for... All of them, there's a couple that couldn't even speak English. It was more um, Miko and Zhao that could speak English the best out of the group, and they were probably both the daftest out of the group as well. And the ones that we could probably get along with, you know, as such. So, Miko used to love saying all the Scottish words, and so did Zhao. Zhao used to love being like, I heard this word last night, you know, what does it mean? and he'd be trying to say it, and then it would be like a guessing game with the young boys being like, what the hell is he on about? What word is this? Um, so he was one that you could get, just get that sort of rapport with straight away. And, um, but, yeah, with a lot of them, when they came over, it was you were trying to base on, uh, well, as a young player, I was trying to think, is this guy going to be in my spot, or is he is he good enough to you know not let me play in the reserves, or is he just kind of here as a number? Do you know what I mean? If they were if they're playing with the first team and – playing week in, week out, then fair enough. They're obviously good enough. But, you know, I think for a lot of the players that were coming through or squad players, there was we kind of felt that there was no need for maybe five or six of them because we had better players already in the academy. And, and you know, like you said, we felt that they were there just because the owner was Lithuanian and they were Lithuanian. And they probably weren't really that bothered about being there. Um, whereas probably the five that you mentioned, they had a little bit of... Obviously, they, they were very good at what they do and, and good professional footballers, but they had that little bit of hunger and desire to be like, well, I'm going to prove a few people wrong here and um, I'm going to play for hearts and do well. And probably that five, um, you know, on reflection did pretty well for the club.
0: i go through a quick um, few tweets on uh, some of Zal's moments. Uh, Rudy's left peg mentioned um a memory he remembers well uh, when he ended up near the Hibs end at Easter Road, got a torrent of abuse, gave them the 5-1 on the fingers and then got booked. Uh, Philip Banks says his winning goal in the Derby after Hibs won the League Cup when they planned to parade the trophy after the game. Great memories of his celebration. Um, and it's similar from Gary, who says his goal at Easter Road ruined their League Cup parade. Um, and John McKellar, who also says, always a, a Hearts a top Hearts lad, always entertaining, passionate about the club, and gave, his, gave his best efforts for the fans. So in terms of Hibs, obviously that's something that always endears a, a player to Hearts fans. He got that goal at Easter Road, that was 2007, nine minutes to go. And I think at that point it was one of those many Andy McNeil flaps that we that we got in, in derbies. Um, at that point, he was still, I would say, um, I wouldn't say endeared himself to the Hearts fans at that point. It was April 2007. But then by the time you get to that derby at Easter Road, he's obviously um, Hearts Cup winning captain. Understanding the derby, did, did he really get it as a captain and as a Hearts player, the rivalry between Hearts and Hibs? Because it's sometimes said that... Um, Hibs don't get it as much as Hearts. And it, it seems to be the case even for the likes of yourself. I know you came over when you were quite younger, but obviously from Australia, um, you know Rudy from the Czech Republic, and then these Lithuanians, even when they come over from other countries and other cultures, they seem to get what that derby means to the Hearts fans, don't they?
2: Yeah, I think so. But I think you kind of mentioned, um, I think I hadn't played that many games when I scored against Hibs on New Year's Day. Probably mm-hmm. same with Salyukas. Rudy scored in the first or second game of the season when he came over. I think sometimes it takes one of them to score to realize how much that means to the fans and what then comes afterwards mm-hmm. in terms of like, you know, the publicity or people stopping you in the street or just how much everybody brings that up. And then it just becomes an addiction almost. So I think maybe that goal um, to stop them when they had that party thing in 2007. Yeah. <laughs> That probably like re- he probably then realized, wow, like what a massive game this is, and you know probably four or five years later, hit that goal and game would still be brought up to him. So I think after that goal, he probably then sensed, you know, these are massive games that we're playing in, and these are games that can shape and change your your heart's career. So I think a lot of the foreigners once they've played in the derbies and then see what the reception is and see how much. The club, the fans, and everyone enjoys those moments when you do beat them. It makes it um, all the worthwhile, and then and then you just get that, you just want that feeling again, and, and you just want to keep doing it and doing it. And you know, hopefully after the weekend, that this playing group has got that, and you know they can go on and do stuff in the in the you know coming seasons in um, in the future.
1: Ryan, when you started out at Hearts, obviously coming through the the youth ranks as well. When you could have first made the first team, Zal was in a he was in a stage of his career whereby he was playing some really good stuff, but he was still a bit of a hothead. And and, and if you remember, there were a couple of red cards and I've actually been Seven. looking at... <laughs> yeah, well, there was a few at, at, at one stage and it was the start of 08-09 and he said, I'm, if this keeps going on, I'm going to quit Scottish football. That was also around the time... That there were clubs in Moscow that were linked with him for about two million, what do you remember about that time um, and perhaps the the linking of of players like Marius because let, let's let's be honest about this. The reason that these players were at heart is because Lithuania was part of the European Union by that stage, and the whole point of of um, Romanov buying the football club was to sell on the players. Now, Velicka was the only one he really sold on for, for a decent amount when when he went to Viking. I think he was trying to do the same with Zalukas. Why do you think he ended up staying? And why do you think he ended up getting the house in order and and behaving and concentrating on football where he became a very, very good player?
2: Uh, probably, I think everyone, forget, he was relatively young when he first came over, I'm sure. But he had that 22. physique he, Twenty-two. Yeah,
4: he had the physique it, yeah.
2: and it was, yeah, you know, he was quite strong, commanding, you know, he was built like a, how you'd probably want to build your ideal centre-back, so I think everyone just assumed that he was slightly older than he was, and I think probably just experience, really, of coming over to Scotland, and it's, it is a difficult league to play in, um, probably, like, the refs let you get away with certain things, and maybe Marius thought he could get away with a bit more than he would (laughs) normally do, and, um, Yeah, it was. But towards probably after a couple of seasons, I think he just really enjoyed it. You know, it's it's an unbelievable city to live in. Um, It's a massive club to play for. If you're playing every week, um, you know, there's not that many reasons that you'd want to leave unless someone was paying big dollars. And um, I remember that the whole sort of off to Russia type thing. And um, yeah, he was very much of if it comes, it comes, and uh, and I'd be off. But you know, well. Like, why would I be wishing to go there when, you know, I'm really enjoying my football just here? And, um, yeah, that was probably the big factor in terms of him staying. And possibly even that sort of press of getting a new move maybe screwed his head on a little bit more because he knew he couldn't really get away with the, the yellow or red cards that he, he had been getting earlier in his career. And, um, yeah, like you said, there was, there was definitely a few games um, in that Scottish Cup final run. I think St. Johnson away where him and Webby were, you know, without those two we probably would have been knocked out that night and I'm sure he, he scored as well in that in that game And um, yeah, I remember it was probably one of those performances that I was on the field I think I came on as a sub and I was like wow that is that is why he's getting linked with the big clubs because when we really needed him he, he stood up and um, that was a great performance that night from what I can remember
0: Taking it back just slightly so Jim Jeffries made him captain at Hearts in August 2010 so when you broke into the team in 2010-11 initially and then you obviously became a regular uh, the following season what, what was he like as a figure then so, so was he was your your first captain as a regular wasn't he so what, what was he like as a leader in that dressing room for you coming in as, as, as a fairly young player still
2: he was really good um, like I sort of touched on earlier he was a bit like I'm the captain I'm the the senior player along with him and Webster so he'd be like and, you know we'll probably get the stick more than you will, so just come in and and enjoy yourself and there's a reason why you're playing there's you know you're training well and and you're breaking through so let's just you get on with your game and, and do what you've been doing in training and if you make mistakes then me and Webby will probably take the blame and um, he was probably the first one that used to tell me between him and Webster webby used to say it a lot was that not one goal is down to one individual mistake like yeah, you might be the sort of The straw that breaks the camel's back in terms of that, but if you you know break the whole game down, someone's given the ball away somewhere, and then someone's probably not put a tackle in when they could have put a tackle in. Someone's not stopped the cross. So although it is your man, there's four or five players that are involved in that. And I remember Zalukas used to be like quite big on that. You know, not to blame one person. It's when you concede a goal, it's it's the whole team that's conceded. It's not just the back four and um, I remember that sort of kind of calming me down because as a defender breaking in that's the last thing you want to be doing is is giving away goals that you think it's your fault, and he was probably the first one to tell me that you know it it's not your fault. there'll be plenty of us that that would be at fault for that so you know if that's your biggest worry or concern, don't worry about it at all.
1: And I thought as a captain that was good yeah sorry, Ryan, one of the the main lines that that we got from the first time you were on this podcast involved Marius. Zalucus, because you told us the story um about you well when it appeared in the press it, it was altered a little bit um former heart feared for future after shouting <laughs> at Zalukas in training um the, what do you remember again if you can you go a little bit more in, in depth about the the training ground bust up <laughs> that nearly cost you your heart's career
2: <laughs> that w- used to be big on um like Scotland against the foreigners. And that was like massive when I was in the under-19s. So it used to be like, obviously, Scots versus foreigners is pretty self-explanatory, but it would get really heated because, um, yeah, especially in the under-19s level, I think a lot of the Scottish boys thought us foreigners were trying to take their spots and we probably weren't as good as they were and vice versa. We thought that they weren't as good as they thought they were. and So it used to get really heated. And I think then that brought in – it was probably when Stevie Frail was kind of the caretaker – slash manager slash there was 15 other managers in that time but they kind of kept the whole Scots versus foreigners for a while and um yeah obviously I hated losing them and it was just this one time that obviously the Scottish boys were getting the better of us and Myers was you know trying to dribble it out from the back in like a (laughs) 6v6 and was standing up front and you know looking back on it he probably wasn't you know he would have had a game in like a couple of days time he wasn't there to try and impress but as a defender playing in the 6v6 six six with the first team we'll probably get beat three or four nil I was thinking this isn't looking good for me and like why why is he not taking this like seriously this was my game of the week and um yeah I'm pretty sure I was shouting get back or like what like what are you doing up front or stop giving the ball away and I remember he just kind of tripped back being like who are you speaking to do you know I mean like you you stay back there and you you know you as a young boy you stay back there and you do your job and I'll be playing first team at the weekend. So, you know, if I want to take this training session a bit lightly, then I will. And, um, he like, he wasn't saying it, that there's not been a thousand times happen, you know, within trainings every single week. But, um, yeah, Big Shabba Laszlo didn't take too fondly for it. And um, it was actually Robbie that told me the next day that um, they really didn't take too friendly to, to me shouting at a few of the senior boys. And, um, yeah, had to sort of watch my steps for the next
0: couple of weeks. It's funny you mentioned about obviously Sal taking it out for a run. I mean, he chipped in with fifteen goals in his Hearts career. A lot of them, um, you know, from set pieces, headers from corners, scoring against Rangers, Dinamo Zagreb, Celtic. a Double against Livingston. The game you mentioned, he did like. He did fancy himself as a bit of a and Bower at times. So he did like to carry that ball forward. Was was it something that like Samy and Webster were aware of that you maybe just had to step in when when Maris decided because sometimes it was effective sometimes it backfired but it was just one of those things he was I guess it was very Zalukas, wasn't it if he decided he was going to take the ball for a run into the opposition half then that's what he was going to do
2: yeah and again I feel like as the seasons went on and he probably got older and more experienced then he you know picked the right times to bring the ball out of defense I think sometimes people can get caught up in and try and bring it out all the time and and Zao was probably when you when you think about it from his perspective, you know he was coming over and, and like Driver said he was probably thrown into that whole these Lithuanians are here and he was probably trying to maybe do a little bit more than what he was capable of or, or trying to impress and and we took it or some fans took it as arrogance or um, you know. Uh, over for the right, yeah, overconfidence or thinking that he was better than the, the level that he was playing at when he was probably just trying to impress and trying to show what he can do. And, um, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because when it does come off, it looks amazing. But, um, yeah, it probably it, getting to know him, it was probably just been, um, you know, just trying to do the right thing when he when the simpler ball would have been off. But, you know, it takes courage to bring the ball out of the defence because, you know, when you do lose it, it, it doesn't look good but you know the risk to reward if you can get a, a player ball that misses out three or four of their players I'm, I'm pretty sure he plays a great ball um down the channel to temps i think it was the start of the 2011 12 season or the season afterwards and and he became really good at it in terms of you know bringing out the ball from the back and and attracting a couple of the center midfielders and and playing it to our wider players and um as much as it maybe didn't work for him at the start of the this Hart's career towards the end it definitely became an effective tool for you know for us coming out of the back.
0: There's another memory I want to touch on here and um, Liam Anderson message saying um, a guy that defied the odds for us he went from being a bit of a bomb scare to being solid and our captain can I remember him singing the heart song along with us at Tynecastle in a game against Celtic he just got us and we got him a sad sad loss so so this game is against Celtic and It's November 2012, you actually started this game, Um, your brother Dylan started as well, so that's, uh, I think Hearts are 3-0 down at the time Um, and I think Dylan's actually going off injured and you Mm. see Zal, obviously Hearts up against it, 3 down, you can see him turning and he's waving his arms, come on get the crowd going and sure enough the Hearts fans do react and the Hearts song is then ringing out. And then the camera goes back to Zal, and he's singing along. He he is singing along with the heart song. I don't know if you noticed it at the time on the pet show. You just saw it afterwards. But it's one of those really poignant moments. And, again, it just summed up how much he got the club.
2: Yeah, he used to love singing the heart songs and singing, like, all the other songs, like the Luna song. And, like, he really (laughs) enjoyed that kind of, you know, teasing the other players. like he used to just always shout, Rudy, Rudy you know, just like little things that um he he'd done that sort of since day one. So that kind of came his thing that he would sing, like any fans that had made songs up, that was what he used to try and sing all the time. So um yeah, and again I guess that kind of shows you the rapport that he had with the fans towards the end. You know, that was after the cup final. That was probably when he was at his you know, he'd we'd just won the Scottish Cup. You know, you're three nil down to Celtic with seven or eight minutes to go, and there's one guy that you know the captain throws his hands up, and next thing the whole place is singing the heart song. It must be you know it would have been a pretty good feeling for him, and um, yeah, it just goes to show you that as difficult as it as it can be to play when you know you you're losing, or you know when you hear people saying it's a tough place when you're losing. You know if you do show a little bit of fight and desire, it can quickly turn in a in a positive way, and um, yeah, seen that video a couple of times on Twitter, and it's yeah, that's just kind of what he was like. He, he used to always <laughs> sing all the songs that the fans sung, and um, yeah, I do. It, it brought back memories of you know us slagging him after the game, being like, "Check you out, being the the poster boy, singing all the songs like you are in the fans," and, and he just loved it because that's what that's what he used to do. He used to just enjoy um, that kind of side of football, and didn't like I said earlier, didn't take himself too seriously. So you know, he was more than more than up for around the boys um, being the butt of the jokes. And, and um, yeah, so he just seen that as, as something that he'd done without even realising he was doing it, to be honest.
1: Laurie, this is, this is weird, totally weird, that we're talking about someone who was so successful on that day in May in, in 2012. It was, it was only eight and a half years ago. We should be talking past tense about players who've lived a life Freddie Glidden, 91 when he died, the captain in, in 1956. This isn't right. This is wrong. That we're talking about a 36-year-old who hardly any of us knew was even ill, and just if ever if ever the word bittersweet was to describe something, it would be it would be this weekend. And I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you something later about a message that I got from from Anne Budge. But before I do that, I I sent her an email, just congratulating her after the game at the weekend and I said to her, I've got this vision of, of Big Zal watching that game somewhere with a big smile on his face and a games controller in one hand and a cigarette in the other making sure on his PlayStation that the Hibs player missed that penalty. And he would have wanted the Hearts fans to go through everything, to take the lead, then to get pulled back and then that challenge in the last minute which I thought was going to be given as a penalty even though the player was offside and I just I just have a vision of somewhere of of Zal with a games controller in his hand and just just having fun and teasing and and just just in making Hearts fans sweat before they get the result because that's the type of guy he was isn't it
0: for sure it's funny there's I don't have you know as I mentioned I don't I never knew Zalukas as a, as a person, but I've got one memory out with watching him, and it was at a function. It would have been the seat, would have been that season after the the cup final, and I can't remember what the function was. Um, and he came out looking dapper, dapper. as could be in a a very sharp suit. Uh, he was coming out the back, probably for a cigarette. Um, and as we were walking past, someone went. Um, you're a legend, Al, and he went no, 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 and he just turned around and pointed at Timecastle and went that that is the legend right there. Um And I think that summed it up, you know, with you know what we're with what we're talking about. With you can't find too many interviews of Zaluka speaking too much. He didn't maybe like the limelight an awful lot, but he really got the club and. I wanted to kind of talk about the the cup final a bit. You know, you mentioned that game against St Johnston, which a few people messaged about because he got that, that winner with three minutes of extra time to go. And if he hadn't scrambled that ball home, then you know we could easily have lost on penalties and th- that cup final would never have been. But it was that cup final where I think it really turned for a lot of people. And as I mentioned, I'm not going to pretend that I I wasn't critical of Zaluka as many times, even that season. But you could see what it really meant to him. You know, it wasn't just... It wasn't just the happiness and the, you know, overjoyed. He was so emotional. And I think you've seen those pictures going about of him at the cup final. He's, it's, it's almost too much for him. And loads of people said, it's like, and I think this is my story message of saying, a boy that started at the very bottom and ended up living every Jambo's dream. And that was what it was like. It was like one of, one of us as Hearts fans getting to walk up there as captain and, and, and lift that trophy you know I, I thought that was really emotional for people to see both at the time and now
2: yeah I think so I think even you know I can sort of see exactly where he's coming from in, in terms of I've seen the cup final as you know years of hard work and dedication and you know sacrifices low points as you know it's probably been all worthwhile for those that day you know, and Myers would have been exactly the same. I had the sort of, I was lucky enough that I started in the background with the 19s and the 20s and could make my mistakes, whereas he was kind of thrusted in, like we had mentioned. You know, in the first couple of years, he he probably got hammered, and he, and he must have been thinking, is it? you know, what's the point here? I, I'm a good player, but I've got this hole because, you know, we used to say his daddy, Romanov, was the was the owner that that's why he was playing and and he had to sort of overcome all of that and you know it's probably just like you said it's a he would have thought of all those you know hard moments that he had at the start of his you know heart's career and all the sacrifices that he's made and you know all the times he'd maybe got booed or slagged off and said that he wouldn't make it to you know being the captain of arguably one of the greatest results in the club's history and, and being up to go up there as captain and And lift that trophy is there's no wonder that he had tears in his eyes and um yeah like you said looking back at it and and seeing that footage you know it makes you realize that you know not only was he the the captain but you know he was a really good human being and um a great person to be around
1: ryan how did he react when you said vlad was dad
2: he used to just laugh and just say, "Daddy will get you sacked." <laughs> 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 that was yeah. Everyone just used to say, like when we were because we obviously weren't getting paid. And Stevenson and um, Jamie Hamill and that used to be like, "Oh, you get get on the phone to Daddy. Tell no, him when we're getting paid." <laughs> he used to just laugh, and and he was good around the boys. Because sometimes I don't you might remember Tino, remember Tino, the translator? Yes. So sometimes when Romanov would come in and he'd be talking and then Tino would obviously um, translate, I think sometimes myers used to be like he's not translating everything that, that's been said <laughs> and, and vice versa. So I, he was sometimes the one that said, um, you know, I don't think that got translated correctly and or would explain it sometimes if it came off a bit of the wrong way from from Romanov, he was he was kind of the middleman but yeah, you know, he didn't take himself too seriously, so he kind of enjoyed the whole. My daddy's a chairman and um, rules the roost.
1: <laughs> for for anybody who, um, and that's probably every listener um, who who's unaware about this kid, Tino, you know, and he was, he was weird. He was, but uh, he wasn't weird. It was just weird that he was like a kid. He reminds me, his position reminded me of Waylon Smithers in <laughs> the Simpsons. In the, was that not
0: in, Roman Romanov? <laughs>
1: No, because that was son. That was daddy and son. So, so maybe Roman Romanov and Zalukas were brothers then, if both had Vlad as dad. <laughs> Whalen Smith- Smithers was, yes, sir. No, sir. Anything you want, sir, with regards to, to Mr. Burns. But Tino was the same. He was a nice kid. But I always got that impression as well. It's interesting you mentioned that, that Zal said to the boys, he's, he's not translating anything, or he's not translating everything. Um, because I always got that impression None more so, not with Tino, but with Janet. Remember Janet? So Janet yeah. was the PA or, or whatever she was of, of Vladimir Romanov. Lovely, lovely girl. Ended up marrying a, a, a good Scottish boy. I think he was a Hearts fan. Um, and she was in the room one day in a press conference, Ryan. And I can't remember who the player was because there was obviously one player um, who would come in before or after. This was one of the rare press conferences we had with Edward Malafeev. Um, this CCCP tracksuit-wearing nut job, whose uh, whose training sessions I'm sure Ryan can attest to, <laughs> s- seem, seem to be of those of folklore. He was asked a question. Janet translated the question. The translation lasted about ten seconds. The answer must have been about four minutes long. Then Janet translated. He doesn't think so. And that was it. And you're just like, wait, what has he said in those four minutes? I mean, honestly, it's you just wonder with the translations. And I know we've gone from Tino to Waylon Smithers to Janet to Malafeev, but we've been that—that's the kind of that's the kind of thing that we do on this show, and it's the, it's the kind of thing that, that Zalukas would appreciate as well, because with with him and the stories that have emanated, there aren't too many of them out with the football club that you can tell Ryan, but it's just. It was, it was great watching him when, when he was there. It was great seeing someone, and as, as Laurie mentioned, he was someone who um, had to fight to get to where he was um, because there was ability there. But he was, he was raw when he came in. But you know what? He didn't let things get to him. He gave back what he got, for, as far as the players are concerned, from the stories that you've told. And I love that success story. He's someone that might have done something with his career, but he did do something with his career because he got his head down he got knocked on the way up. It's just so sad he's no longer with us.
0: I'm just going to go through some more messages we got um, about Marius. Adam Kennedy says, For people my age, the first Hearts player death that hits home, RIP Zal. A true hearts legend. Anne Waddle says, uh, just after 5pm on Sunday and I'm still in a state of shock and disbelief. His face face before lifting the cup was a picture. Will always be a true hearts legend. Would be a real tribute if the cup came back to Gorgie in his memory. I'm sure he and Stefan uh, will be cheering us on. Um, Steve says when he first arrived he just seemed like another face in a sea of some of the poorer quality Lithuanians his winner versus Hibbs for their League Cup celebration games seemed to kickstart his career once he removed a lot of the silly mistakes and ill-discipline he grew into a pivotal player under Shabo Laszlo and then Jeffries and Paolo it would be easy to think that he was made captain because of the Romanov ownership at the time but it was JJ who made him captain A crucial player for us in the 2012 Cup run, getting the late winner in the replay at St Johnston, winning the late penalty versus Celtic, and then strolling through the game versus Hibs. He deserved to lift the cup, fitting for the man with record appearances for an overseas player. Um, Angus Blacklock says, a really good player and guy. I walked out as a mascot for a Ross County game with him, and he was keen to chat and have a joke, unlike the average player who would keep themselves to themselves before a match. Um, Daniel McIver says on the drive back from the semi-final Rudy beeped the horn of the team bus at our car as we had a scarf in the back seat we followed them to Rickerton and as Al was getting into his car he screamed with excitement when he saw us with our home kits on what a man um, and there's so many messages I, I, I can't go through them all but thank you for everyone for for messaging us because it just shows how much I guess love and appreciation there there is for Manny so I'm going to mention one more quickly though here Um which came up a few times, and Ryan might be able to confirm this, Uh, Stephen and a couple of others said, he donated a framed shirt at the Hearts rally, got into a bidding war with a fan, and bought his own shirt back for about 1,500 quid, and then gave the guy his shirt anyway. An absolute gent. Do you you confirm if that happened? It must have. I mean, I assume it would have, and it sounds sounds very like Zal.
2: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was... um... Uh, remember when we were going into administration probably around that November game okay. that he said, remember I mean, there was a lot of those fundraisers that um, was kind of happening around then and um, yeah, I think there was Scott Wilson that done it and it was his someone will probably correct me if I'm wrong we would come out but yeah, I'm pretty sure it was his poppy shirt from the from one of the games Yeah. and um, yeah, and he, he bought it and I think at the start because we were kind of not messing around with him but um, yeah, we were saying, Go on, you you get it because no one else is gonna buy it. And um so we were winding him up saying that it's only gonna go for like twenty quid and anyway <laughs> I think at the start he was more just doing it as a bit of a you know, to I don't know, to get the people going and to try and get more people interested in it. And anyway it was between him and another fella and I think it then became a bit of a let's see who how far it can go and um I'm pretty sure it got up to maybe a grand and then Marius just went 1500 because of the i'm pretty sure the reason is is the obviously the one five reference to it and of course that blew everybody <laughs> out the water and the, i think the poor fellow was like okay you you can kind of have it back and Myers I'm pretty sure just straight up got it and then just walked over to the table and and gave it to him um but i'm pretty sure you scott wilson will know more than More than that, but I'm I'm 99% sure that was at one of those sort of um, rallies that was going on around that time to to raise money, and and that's kind of how that happened. But yeah, you know that that story is definitely definitely true for sure.
0: I'll quickly close off this section just with uh, the words of um, club historian David Speed, who put a, a really nice article on the Hearts website. You can you can still find that up there if you want to go and have a look at it. Uh, He says, from the boardroom to the stands, everyone connected with the heart of Midlothian football club was shocked and saddened to learn that Marius Zalukas had passed away 11 days before his 37th birthday after a brave struggle against motor neuron disease. During his time in the capital, this engaging young man was a fine player, extremely popular with his teammates and a great favourite with the supporters. Accordingly, he will be long remembered at Tynecastle Park. And David then goes on and ends his article with our deepest condolences are extended to his wife Nora, and family.
1: It will be left to the captain, Marius Zidikas, perfectly converted. You can see what it means to him, and it means a lot to the heart supporter. Certainly
4: not to Terry Butcher, though.
3: now Whiten feeds it to the right, Ollie Lee bit of space in front of the Englishman, Lee chance to cross, curls it in not a bad finish, break. Whiten waits, yes. header it's yes. it to yes. the net. Yes. and Craig Whiten opens the scoring at Hampton Park wonderful ball from Ollie Lee right on the hour mark and Craig Whiten follows up his winner at Gayfield last week with a cool header to the bottom right to the goal, hearts have been up against it here at Hampden Park until this point and the first clear shot at goal for the Jambos sees Craig Whiten nod Robbie Nielsen's side into the lead would you believe it? Hartam and Midlothian 1, Hibernian nil.
0: Clipped into the area
3: header towards goal and it's into the bottom left corner and Hibs are level, simple as that and it's Christian Deutsch. there didn't seem an awful lot of pace in the header but it just went into the left corner Gordon couldn't get there, and Hibs don't take long to get back on level terms. Christian Doidge with his fourth of the season. Hart and Midlothian one, Hibernian one.
0: Twenty-three minutes left in this one.
3: This
0: ball play forward again by Hearts' boy slipping into the area. White
3: after it goes down bundled pen, into pen, penalty kick pen, for Hearts pen, at the other end. Ad White onto the ball bundled into, and after Hibbs miss a penalty at one end, Hearts three minutes later. We'll get a chance at the other. What a moment for the Jambos. Can they do what Hibbs couldn't at the other side of the field? And who's going to take it? I think it's going to be Liam Boyce, who scored against Dundee in that recent league match. My goodness me. Such drama here at the (laughs) National Stadium. Boyce against Marciano. Boyce steps up, scores! Good sign. It's 2-1 to the Jambos! And it's Liam Boyce who makes no mistake from 12 yards, smashing it into the top of the net. And in extra time, Hearts now lead by two goals to one. And it's Liam Boyce.
0: Okay, so at the weekend, Heart of Midlothian played Hibernian at Hampden Park. And that was the goals we were just listening back to from Hampden Park. Um, am, I, am I allowed to have a little moan, Mark, before we get into it? Yeah, of course. I mean, I moaned last week, didn't I, about our broth. <laughs> I'm always moaning. but um, <laughs> you're think... a true fan. <laughs> exactly. I've probably moaned at you from the stands at some point as well. <laughs> <laughs> 100%. Get, I mean, get rid of it. Um, no, just, you think, you know, you, you expect things not to go smoothly from a media perspective when you go to... Cowden beef and, and our broth and such like, but um, naively I expected things to work smoothly at Hamden, but um, nope, we were I was running around with extension cables and Jimmy and I were like the Chuckle Brothers with a fold-out table, trying to find a spot to put it up in, ten minutes before going on air um, so yeah I, I, farce, so I, I was in a bad mood before the game, and I said I'm going to be in a bad mood all night unless hearts win thankfully they did. So that cheered me up. Let's have a look at the team, first of all, Mark, because we spoke about this quite a bit last week. And in the end, Robbie didn't make too much of a changes. Josh Ginelli was unavailable, so had to drop out. Craig Whiting came in, so the change that was made in the game in our broth, And Elliot Freer, who you know, didn't show up, I guess, as much as he would have hoped at Gayfield, was out. And Jordan Roberts was in. So it was a 4 2 three one um uh, let's not get into too much depth of, of analyzing it but i would suggest there was not much rhythm from hearts in the early stages in the first half and um, wh- what do you think was the reason for this because we didn't start as we would have hoped
1: i think they showed them too much respect and i think robbie got it wrong in the yeah. first half and got it spot on in the second half um we spoke last week about how difficult this game was to try and ascertain who the favourites were. I mean, it should have been Hebs. They'd started the season well, but how close should Hearts be behind them? We didn't really know. And anyone saying that they knew were lying because you would have to watch every Hebs game and every Hibs game. And and no one really did that. So they went 4-4-2 and we went this 4-2-3-1. And, and Craig, Craig Whiten could end up being one of those players who... With a good bit of fortune, getting the hat-trick when he did and, and then kicking on, getting the goal at Arbroath, getting the goal at Hamden, could end up being a key player for us this season. Because as Ewan Murray said last week, he was very good in pre-season, but he just needed more belief. And it may be the case that no fans this season really help him. That was on one side of the three in attack behind Liam Boyce. Jordan Roberts was awful on the other side. It just wasn't, it wasn't his day. We've seen him play well. Inverness fans have seen him play well, but it, but it wasn't his day. So in the first half, whether we showed them too much respect, I thought we were too deep at times. Yeah. I thought Boyce was, was too isolated. Um, we didn't get Smith and Kingsley on the ball enough. Um, they weren't as advanced enough as I would have liked. Um, and, and that meant more of, of certainly Boyle and to an extent McGinnis getting the ball. But Robbie saw that things weren't working. And that's why he made a couple of changes in in 56 minutes. So the team, fine. I mean, Lee in the middle of the park alongside Halliday. Initial reports prior to the game suggested it might be Haring and and Halliday. That would have been a big concern due to the lack of legs, especially with it going 120 minutes. Um, Lee didn't start well either. He he came into the game a little bit. Um, But we had Craig Gordon to thank. And thankfully, by the stage it was it was still nil nil. Changes were made, and I think Robbie after that got it absolutely spot on.
0: Yeah, I mean looking at the first half, and I'll, I'll come to you, Ryan, because uh, while we were waiting for Mark to finally join us to record this, you sent you sent a wee a wee gif of a <laughs> of a very handsome goalkeeper looking quite pleased with himself. Um, Hibbs certainly had the better of it in the opening half. In the opening hour, um, there was a block from Michael Smith to deny. McGinnis, but there was a really good save, and this is—it's almost like a recurring theme now in the podcast, talking about a goalkeeper making saves. Kevin Nisbet with a header from five or six yards out, and Craig Gordon doing what he does best. And I think the the gif you said he deserved to look so chuffed for himself, didn't he?
2: Yeah, I think it's a it's gr- a great save, and um, it's probably one of those ones that you realise Whiten's goal looks like it's a pretty simple. Header, but that's probably a little bit more difficult than the Craig Gordon save. So it just goes to show you what a good finish that was um, for his goal. But, yeah, touching on a little bit of the Robbie substitutions, I wouldn't be surprised if that was part of the game plan. in yeah,
1: terms Yeah, I, I, um, I, can, I can
2: see that. Yeah, you know, in terms of, you know, let's just keep it sort of, not show Hibs too much respect, but, you know, let's just keep it the game how we want it to be going and, and how we want it to con- control it and knowing that they have the players to come on and change a game um, in a positive way. And when sometimes that happens, it's very hard to then win that sort of edge back again. And, um, yeah, you know, bringing on the calibre of players like Herring and, and Naismith would have been a big thing in, in Robbie's you know, pre-game thinking in terms of, yeah, maybe if it isn't working out and if midfield's not working or so-and-so's not working, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, during the week they worked on, you know, when these two come on we'll maybe change this formation or when Naismith plays we'll start playing like that and you know Paolo Sergio for one is definitely I remember the semi-final against Celtic Yeah. It started with yeah. Scott Robinson knowing that Beattie would come on at half time and, and change that game so it was sometimes it's um, not so much they got it wrong it, it oh well I hope Robbie would say that it worked perfectly <laughs> and um, that was part of the plan but you know it's definitely that's why it's you know you hear managers say about the squad and the players on the benches it's so important that players can come on and change games and, and influence them in a positive way.
0: And Ryan, looking at the goal, because it was it was less than four minutes after the changes that Ollie Lee gets a ball out right, puts a brilliant ball into the box, and and Craig White and nods it in. Um, I don't know if you're going to side just even though it's Hibbs, if you're going to automatically be defensive of the of the defenders, but Craig White with that much space, you know, if if you're the the right back in that position, do you? Are you disappointed that he's he's ended up being free?
2: Yeah, I think so, but I also think it's a great run. I think he comes off Hanlon if I remember it correctly because he's yeah. kind he of laid plays, it off. Yeah, he
0: plays the past to Lee, doesn't he?
2: Yeah, and he's just he's just probably seen everyone getting attracted to the ball and and you know, it's like a it, like um people have said he's he's a really good player that's, that's maybe it's not had the the rub of the green and um you know, I agree with you Ewan last week in in terms of probably the fans not being there has definitely helped him and um, you know, the awareness to to realise that this ball might go to the back post and that no one's there, and then, you know, it's easy enough, everyone says it, put it back across the goalie, but, um, you know, that's it was a hard header, and he makes it look so simple, and it's a, it's a great finish, and, um, you know, he's done that a couple of times this season, so hopefully he can, you know, really kick on and, and become the player that everyone thought he would be when, when Hearts first signed him.
0: Did you, um you played against him, didn't you, when he was when he was at Hearts I think because you 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 joined Dundee when he was already he'd already left for Hearts yeah. was it the year before yeah. so what what do you think of him as a player is he is the because obviously a lot of people have talked about his potential um I only saw him in, in flashes uh, when he was at Dundee um what do you think of him as a player is it is it really just the confidence that he needs he's got the talent there he just needed to get those goals and you know I guess you know, similar to Zalukas, I suppose, maybe just settle into the, the pressure of, of playing at the club?
2: Yeah, when I was there, everyone spoke so hard, because obviously I, um, people teased me and wind me up about my heart's connections, so I was asking about him, and, and everyone that played with him at Dundee was like, mate, he's an unbelievable player, but he'd suffered a few bad injuries, and, yeah. I, and I think people think when you come back from a, a long-term injury, um, you, know, you should kind of hit the floor running, and um a physio that I used to know quite well he used to say however long you're injured it's 1.5 onto that before you get back to where you were pre-injury so okay. if you're out for a year technically you won't be back into that form from a medical perspective as such in 18 months that's roughly that was kind of the guide that he was saying so if you're out for 4 weeks it probably take you eight weeks and a bit to get back to where your, your fitness was at the start. And um, I'm pretty sure he was out for, you know, a year, 18 months. So it's it's just the whole combination of, of dealing with that length of time without playing competitive games and then being thrown into playing a lot of competitive games when you've been out for that space of time and moving to a new club and playing in a position where, you know, as strikers, it's, you can be the hero, you can be the villain. And, um, yeah, I think it's just – there's no rush on him to to come in and score hundreds of goals straight away. And I think um, Craig Levine probably used them wisely last year in terms of um, didn't put too much pressure on him and and made sure that, you know, he got these sort of fleeting minutes and, and he's, you know, credit to himself. I think he's worked extra hard in lockdown and, and changed himself physically. And he's reaping those rewards just now. And I think a lot of it would probably just be down to confidence, playing games, getting used to his teammates and, um, yeah, just showing showing everyone what he can do, and and I wouldn't be surprised if it's sort of this is he will be probably feeling the best he's felt physically um, right now than he probably has done since he's
1: arrived at Hearts. You've got to be strong, Ryan, haven't you? Mentally, we spoke earlier about Marius and how he came over as a 22-year-old, and there were a lot of knocks along the way. A lot of people thinking he wasn't good enough, but he he believed in his own ability and. And that's something Craig Whiteon has to do as well because you and last week spoke about Gavin Riley and there have been many players who maybe weren't good enough, maybe would never have made it, but it's, it's very hard in football, isn't it? You, you must have experienced this and seen so many different players that you kind of thought it was on the training ground. My God, I've never seen anybody as good as that on a training ground and couldn't do it on a normal pitch or other guys. You thought there's something there, but for one reason or another, just wouldn't work. And and patience is something in life, never mind in football right now. That's that's hard to come by. We want something now. We want it yesterday. We're not prepared to wait. There's no there's no patience anymore. So I like it when when someone when there's a success story that uh, has immediately been written off because he hasn't hit the ground running. How many games is it, Laurie, since since he he kind of played for Hearts and didn't score before he got his his first goal?
0: Twenty four games. He went without wow, a goal. a
1: lot, lot of patience required there then, right? Yeah, but is that 24 starts?
0: No. I don't yeah, have all the stats, like, Ryan.
1: Yeah, I know, but, like,
2: <laughs> but I sometimes get like, do you mean? That could have been seven of those games could have been a total of 30 minutes. Of
1: course. Ryan, you know, what we, what we on. On. you know what we do with statistics? It, you, yeah, you, you make the. the statistics suit the narrative. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: trust me, I know that. I know that. More <laughs> than anyone. Well, I, I told you before. Before this, that you know, you must have been gutted at the weekend because uh, you know, before Saturday, um, you'd scored the same amount of goals as Hibernian Football Club had in Hamden derbies. Um, yeah, but you're true. now, you're now slacking. You've you've fallen a goal behind, behind. because <laughs> seven minutes later, Hibs equalised. Should have stood though. No, no. it's no. offside
1: Well, two things. And I know you'll get to the the penalty that wasn't given or they thought they should have had in the last minute. That shouldn't even have got there because the assistant on the far side should have done his job and the player who was fouled was in an offside position after that. For this one, the player who was offside was the player who scored the goal. Now, I watched the game on BBC Scotland. Well, I watched it on ESPN Plus that took BBC Scotland's commentary. Um, Apologies for... For not watching it on on Hearts TV, I just I wanted an hour build up, yeah. Yeah, um, okay. and that that, that that that's that's what I've got. Um, but just cut him off I the phone now. I have to say, Billy Dodge. No, no, nothing wrong with that goal. Dodge is coming from from a, a deep position. He's certainly not the one that's involved. I mean, come on, that's just awful co-commentary, awful analysis. He's offside, and it sh- it should not have counted.
0: At least he got. At least he probably had a replay look at. We didn't even have replay, so couldn't couldn't do any analysis. Hey, at least um, you were there. <laughs> at, least, at least he didn't fail you like he did the week yeah. before. Whatever. At least <laughs> it was there. But okay, so I mean, they levelled, and I suppose at that point, you know, heads could go down a bit. You know, Hearts had got the lead, but it only lasted seven minutes. But from that point in, well, really from the point of the Hearts goal, I thought it was a very good game, an end to end game, and um it really could have gone either way. There was the the penalty drama at the end are you, are you saying you thought Hebbs the offside is what would have made it not a penalty to be honest from my view at the time I've seen a brief replay in my view at the time I had absolutely no idea what was going on at the, at the end right. it was just a, a mess as Yeah, I, th-
2: as I, as I think the big thing was they weren't 100% sure he would have got to the ball well I think but but it's 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 are we talking about the yeah. pull was it how could it pull them
1: no the, the how could, there was two two kind of incidents. they appealed for for a penalty twice in the space of about 10 yeah. seconds right but th- this is where i want to get into the hypocrisy of of football fans right we want var because the referees just are rubbish that's what people think so you get var var's rubbish we don't want var anymore we make make our minds up we're never happy so <laughs> no i do i i i can make <laughs> up my
0: mind i've never wanted var
1: no, I know, I know, I know, I get that, but let, <laughs> let's, let's cut to the chase. Here's the deal, as a political um, person who maybe or maybe not in the White House soon um, would say, if VAR was involved in that incident, the penalty award or non-penalty award, it wouldn't even have got there. The first thing they would have checked is, was the player who was allegedly fouled, according to Hibbs, in an offside position and therefore active in terms of the law? Yes, he was. End of story. That's it. It's chalked off. If a penalty is awarded, it doesn't matter. It's mm-hmm. not a case of we can overturn it or, or whatever. If a penalty is awarded by the referee, but you have VAR, the first thing VAR does is is he offside in the build-up? We've seen that previously with Sadio Mane and, and, and others. The offside supersedes whatever comes after that. And if he is offside like he was... now my, I don't know about you, Ryan and, and Laurie, I usually go with my first instinct my first instinct with that first challenge was that's a penalty so taking aside the offside because the flag wasn't raised I thought the first challenge should have been a penalty what did you think
2: I'll file that under I've seen him given <laughs> thank you <Yeah.
0: laughs> what do you think yeah. Ryan on, on the VAR side of things just since it's come up because you'll obviously have a bit of experience of it now yeah, we we'll use it in, we'll use in
2: Australia you- yeah yeah
0: you find it it's um, effective. I know it gets used. It gets used fairly often. Whenever I've watched A League games, they tend to usually I'll see something that they go to the screen for. Whereas in English Premier League, remember it took them like months before anyone ever even looked at the screen.
1: Yeah, and these skills yeah. st- screwed it up yesterday, didn't they? With Graham Scott. <laughs> I heard about that,
0: but I didn't see game. it. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah,
2: it's it's a tricky one. Um, I my first A League game, it was used like a record number. I think it was used like six times. Um, and we won 3-2, but it chalked off two goals and had a few offside, a few offside decisions that were like millimetres, and yeah. um, it just kind of touches back on that, the whole mark kind of thing in terms of people will be like, if you're on the wrong side of it, you're like, I want VAR in. And then people, even in the Premier League, you see, you can't give it offside for that. But the facts are, <laughs> is if you're offside, you're offside. There's no like, what do you then do? Say if his arm is offside and give them a five centimetre leeway and but you know it's either you're offside or you're offside but I'm definitely a little bit more old school I think it's a lot better being in the pub and talking on podcasts and listening to everybody moaning about refs and players and decisions not given rather than
4: yeah
2: moaning about something that should be a hundred percent when it's not I I think think that's probably the biggest footballing gripe in terms of VIRs used in England and there's still 80% that don't agree with it whereas if you go by the official rules and the regulations then it is probably 100 percent correct but um yeah i just feel like football is is a, a working class game that's it's been played and for hundreds of years and, and everyone loves it so let's not just change it too much just now because um well, it basically comes down to money isn't it people don't want to be losing money on a, uh, yeah. on a human error
1: Can you imagine the feeling, Ryan, if you score that goal at Hamden in 2012 and your first thought is not, how am I going to celebrate? What am I going to do? Your first thought is, that's going to be allowed, isn't it? It's going to be given. It it must just take something away from from players because we've, we've seen assistants now Rightly so, if it's close. What I don't get is when it's not close and they keep their flag down, then they raise it afterwards. <laughs> but that, that, that just really annoys me. But it, it must be a case now for footballers. If they think they might be offside, that's got to be your first choice. We've seen before, Var, a little look over. If the flag stays down, happy days, off you go. Mm. Can you imagine in a cup final against your biggest rivals, if you've scored, if your first thought is not how am I going to celebrate and this is the greatest moment of my life, your first thought is, oh, I hope that's given. That's not right.
2: Yeah, and I think that the other big thing is it was kind of called in to be under that. Um, what's the phrasing that cleared obvious oh, errors? Clear and obvious, yeah, errors. And I, I think anything that, like what you said, it, I think first reactions are probably the best ones. If you think so, like Hib's penalty, I thought penalty, and then you watch it a couple of times yeah. and you're like, oh, he's fucking dived. Mm. But I feel like that's that's probably a one where the VAR would have come in handy. Mm -hmm. But I just feel like it's not, you know, the whole VAR is just, it's grown arms and legs and it's not so much a clear and obvious areas that it's getting involved in. And that's my right with the VAR.
1: This is interesting because the clear and obvious can only relate to penalties um, or, or red cards. It can't relate to offside because... There's objectivity and there's subjectivity. You're either are or you're not offside. And, and the whole millimetres or whatever, that's, that's frustrating, but it's an argument for another day. Um, the clear and obvious thing, and this is where it gets frustrating, because I'm not sure if you watched um, Milan against Roma from last week. It was a three-all draw, but two decisions that were given were absolutely atrocious. Two penalty awards. And the second one was clearly a makeup up for, for, for the first one. And a week later, the referee's chief has come out and said it was a disgrace that these penalties were awarded. Um, this was after VAR. This was after a VAR check. So the difficulty with the penalty award that was given to Hibernian um, at the weekend was it's, it's the decision on the pitch. Now, is there enough evidence... With replays to suggest that the referee has made a clear and obvious error, because it looks like a dive. Most of the angles suggest it's a dive, but there's one angle that thinks. <laughs> oh, but, but this is this is what I'm saying, Laurie. This is where VAR can be so contentious, in mm-hmm. that if if the ref decides that that one angle suggests that there is an element of doubt. Is it a clear and obvious? And I hate that because that's a dive, and VAR should should say that's a dive. But, but there's yeah. one angle. off oh. In
2: in Australia, they um they just overrule that. So sometimes in Australia, we'll be like, you know, for example, uh, I'm trying to think. No, nothing's kind of happened with Hearts recently, but um say if it's not given. So say that Hibs decision when they didn't get the penalty and all the Hibs players are running around, the referee would be like, goal kick. If it is a penalty, they'll tell me it's a penalty and I'll go check. But right now I'm giving it goal kick.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: So they the referees used to tell us, play on. Gaza, play on. If it is, they'll, they'll call me back. So just keep going on with the game. And then the next time it goes out, you can see them listening to it. And the VAR people would obviously be saying, we've had a look at it. We think it could be a penalty. Come have a look. Or, um, yeah, there was nothing in it. It was the right call, and off you go. So that, that case would have been... Willie Collin would have given the penalty, and then as um, Nisbet was waiting to take it, BAR would have said, hold on a minute, you might want to come over and check this. And the referee, Willie Collin, would have went over and checked it, and knowing Willie Collin, he probably would just given it a penalty anyway. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that's the thing. When you say... It's one, of my, one of my big pet hates is when they look for when they look for contact and they try and find an angle where they can say, oh, well, his, his boot brushed the laces or, you know, there's you can see his his shin maybe touches the, the side of his knee or something. And it's, always, it's the fact that suddenly it seems to be that, well, contact will obviously mean a foul, whereas, you know, contact can be contact. You know, there can be contact and there can be no foul and there can be no contact and a foul. That's one of the things that annoys me about it is they seem to want to try and find something. It's not like... Right, let's have a look at the replay. No clear foul, fine. It's like, how many times can I look at this and find something to give a penalty for? And and it's a good point about the Hebs one, though, because when I saw it, and I don't know if it was the same for you guys on TV, I mean, I was... Did I say I was in a shit position? I was in a shit position at the ground. I was pretty much in the West Stand. I was probably where you were sitting, Ryan, for the, the last Cup final. Um, so when he went down, I just said penalty. I was like, I looked at penalty. looked like I mean, he was sloppy, Popescu, in the first instance looked like he stuck his leg out and it's it's can you say it's a good dive it was a convincing dive from where i was um and then i got a message in my ear 30 seconds later saying no nah, it's a dive but yeah i don't know did it look clear on the tv as a dive or did it look like it was a foul i think both of you said i think when you said one and one of you said the other
2: i, th- I thought penalty when i first seen it yeah yeah but then you see the replays. So I also don't like when VAR slows it down. I think VAR yeah. shouldn't have slow-mo. No, because because it's, slowing it's, it down yeah. is just makes everything look 100
1: times worse. Yeah, It's like a still photograph, Ryan. I mean, that, that could be anything. It yeah. doesn't tell you the full the full story. Slow, slowing it down is absolutely pointless, unless, unless you're looking for the touch of the ball or, or whatever. Because yeah. it's, that's not what the referee sees. It's, it's, it's in real time.
2: Yeah, Yeah, for sure. So I think sometimes slowing it down makes it... Makes it even worse, and like you said, takes it takes the challenge or the tackle or everything totally out of out of context. So, um, yeah, but yeah, I, I can see why Willie Collum gave it a penalty, even though some replays suggested it
1: was
0: a it was a dive.
1: Well, he's done well. He's convincing, isn't he?
0: Mhm. Anyway, it, it was given. Um, but Kevin Nisbet steps up and and hits the hits the bar with the penalty, and then we get a crazy few minutes because. Obviously, three minutes later or so, Hearts get their own penalty, but bizarre incident where they try—they actually managed to hit the post just before it as well. And the game just got a little bit crazy suddenly. Um, it woke up, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it really did. It sparked into life again at that point. Um, it sparked into life in 90 minutes after the Hearts goal, but that sparked extra time into, into a lease of life as well. The Hearts penalty, again, on first viewing, I thought it looked like a penalty. Um, further viewing... It's a bit soft, I would say. But can I say it's more of a penalty than the Hibs one?
1: <laughs> As Ryan said, you've seen them given. If mm. that's against you, you're pissed off. That's that's the way you put it.
2: Yeah, and I feel bad for the defender. I feel like that's one of those ones where um, White's just chucked his legs in front of the... I think it was McGinn that was coming back. Yeah. Yep. And, and, it, and it's, it's more so that he's just fallen down and jumped in front of him. So, of course, McGinn's going to go, you know, crashing into him. So, yeah, I can, I can feel bad from a, a defending point of view or aspect of that. But, um, again, at the time when I was watching it, I was definitely shouting, that's a penalty. Of
0: course you're right. <laughs> What did you message in the group before this? Even if it is a Hibs penalty, you don't say <laughs> it's a Hibs penalty. <laughs>
4: that's uh, your
2: quote. Yeah, that was a good quote. <laughs> I said that's a few of my hips mates uh, at the weekend so um <laughs> but yeah it was um yeah it was one of them and then, and then you're not sure if it's going to influence because they've just missed the penalty mm-hmm. do you mean it, 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 I think Boyce's penalty is um yeah it's definitely up there with with them missing it is it, you can look at it two ways he's kind of got that you know if he misses it then who cares they've already missed the penalty but he's also got that sort of glorious opportunity to know yeah. that his scores is maybe not not that long for them to get into the final, which, um, which, yeah, I was very confident he would have scored.
0: It's fairly, I would say it's a big moment for him as well, because he's not really been firing for Hearts um, in the recent matches, and he, he missed a really good chance in 90 minutes to, to win it, clean through, I think he'll be disappointed with himself, so... I'd say it took a lot for him to to step up and dispatch it with such a plom as well you know Marciano who's um who's a decent goalkeeper goes the right way but he's got good height and power on it so I think I you think it'd be a good a big moment for for Liam Boyce as well because although we talk about Craig White and having pressure on him and not scoring I think there's been some little bits of doubt coming in about Liam Boyce which is unfair at this stage of his heart's career because it's still very early but um, to step up, sometimes that's not what you want as a striker. And I know, I know you're not a striker, Ryan McGowan. But you've mentioned last time. You reminded me that, of course, you stood up, you've stepped up and taken a penalty and scored it before. But to step up and have that chance from 12 yards is probably sometimes worse for a player than just getting an instinctive ball falls to you 10 yards out and you just got to have a quick shot at it.
2: Yeah, but I would also you'd love to be in his position, wouldn't you? Scoring against Hibs in a semi-final. Well, what, you do it a final, couldn't you? Go. <laughs> he'd love to do that so but yeah it's probably one that he's yeah he he, he would be it's similar to the sort of the conversations before he scored a couple of big goals scored against rangers um, but that one could be you know he'll probably see the the reaction to you know i think michael smith put it up on instagram like all the the players after the game and and they'll see you know all the social media aspect of it and how much it means to everyone they'll now be getting stalked in the street people will be bringing up the cup final. I sometimes think it takes, you know, these moments and these runs for them to sort of kick on and get that sort of um, feel for, you know, how big this could be if they if they beat Celtic um, next month in the cup final. So, yeah, you know, hopefully that definitely um, springboards him into action. But I wouldn't say that he's he's been a little bit, off, But I always kind of remember him just being, you know, not doing too much in a game, but,
1: but still, at right end of,
2: yeah, still at the end of the season, he scores, you know, 15 to 20 goals, which um, since Lafferty's left, there's not been that many people have done that either pre, pre him or, or post him. So, you know, if at the end of the season, he's got 20 odd goals, it would be not a bad return.
1: I like it how he doesn't—he never shies away. If he m- misses a, a chance or whatever, mm-hmm. he, he, I love him as a striker. Because you're going to have games. He doesn't score. He doesn't play overly well. I didn't think he was that good at our both, But he'd still be one of the first names on my team sheets because of, of what he can do. Just while you two have been speaking, um, it's been quite a few weeks for Liam Boyce. I've just actually watched his penalty, uh, the winning penalty for Northern Ireland in the mm-hmm. penalty shootout victory over Bosnia. Because I wanted to see if he did the same as he did at Hamden. And he went down the middle. And um, for that one, the goalie dive to the left. But he's, when I say he doesn't hide, he wanted to take that penalty um, against Bosnia. He would have been the fifth penalty taker, I think. So that's obviously, could be the key one. Um, the penalty taker, we've seen Craig Whiteon score a couple um, against, uh, in the League Cup against Wraith Rovers, I think it was. But he, he's our penalty taker and relishes that. Relishes that. So... You can have all the ability in the world, but if, if you lose your shit or you, you, can't, you can't get your nerves settled for a moment like that, I, I want big game players. He's a big game player. Henry yeah. Naismith, big game players. Peter Haring, big game players. And while we'll be underdogs in the final, which we'll go on to shortly, um, I want big game players in my team. And Liam Boyce is one of those.
0: Gordon made a big save um from Christian Deutsch before the end, but of course Hearts saw Camera the game out.
1: Save for the cameras. Yes, yes yeah. Sure should, hold should have <laughs> held it. it shocking, honestly. It just he what and what's he done on Instagram since then? He's managed to find SNS or the Hearts photographer, he's managed to find them with a photo of that and he's plastered it everywhere.
2: Honestly,
1: this, yeah. who, who does he think
2: he is? One of the best Six, goalkeepers i of a had or anything? Come on, that's go.
1: experience for him, isn't it? <laughs> He's, he knows.
0: I want to ask you, Ryan, About um, obviously we've had quite a few games now. You've had games yourself over in Australia. Um, there's been English Premier League. There's been games across um, the globe now played behind closed doors. No fans there. I, I kind of got used to it quite quickly in the league games, but I have to say... Saturday was surreal, I thought, and I don't know if it came across as surreal on the TV. I don't think, I don't think, did the BBC? I don't think they had sounds, did they? Sound effects for crowd or anything? No, um, no
1: Premier Sports did. They were just ahead, so I ended up switching between kind of ESPN Plus, BT uh, Premier Sport, and and um, BBC. But it was just weird. It was one, so weird. One didn't. One, yeah, one didn't. But also, um, Laurie, the camera angle was. The yeah, camera yeah, we north used to stand, Hampton's yeah. higher up. This was in the north stand and it was it was weird looking at the main stand, but having a low-down camera as your main camera is rare in football because normally your high camera is your main Especially
0: camera. Especially a big one game in a big stadium.
1: And, and I have to say that the, the production was not good. was not good at all.
0: <laughs> I think what it got really odd for me is obviously you're... We're doing commentary and you know what it's like when you're talking after an incident that's all you can hear is you know the your talk back coming in your ears and it was like after hearts had scored the penalty for instance you know we were talking about it I was going mental breaking sound systems and Jimmy was keeping his cool as he always does um and then we stopped talking for a moment and let obviously let it breathe and then all you hear is the wind and a few players shouting when the game kicks off again and you know you almost forget you you expect when you stop hearing your own voice to hear that roar from the crowd and just the tension around you. And it was just weird. And I want to ask you, Ryan, does it, how does it affect you in the game? Because one thing I thought about, I didn't feel as tense even just watching it being there because there was no tension emanating from the crowd. There was no nerves. There was no. Um, there was no anger, there was no joy, there was nothing. It just—it was just the players shouting, and you could hear the bench and and a few people who were obviously there working for both teams. But I just found it really weird, and I wonder what it's like because you've obviously had some big games now, haven't you? In these mm-hmm. in these incidents, yeah. does it change how you feel? Does it calm you down?
2: It it does make it less pressurized, as such. Um, in turn it's just human nature when there's not sixty thousand there, you're not maybe as um nervous you know and i I remember watching the game, and I think it was um right at the start of the game, I think white and took the the left back down the line or or someone put a tackle in, and I remember it normally would it would then zoom into the crowd and everyone would be like up and be like right just yeah. at it, and it was just like. Oh, this is a good tackle, you know. But that would get like a massive reaction or a roar one way or another. Or, you know, when you get that like a, a wide player gets the ball and you, it, it's just like eighty thousand people going, "Come on!" Like, yeah. And it will just get that little bit of a a buzz. And um, yeah, I was worried before the game that, um, like we touched on, there's a lot of play, a lot of hearts players that have played in these big games, and and would be. I would have felt more confident in being able to handle that pressure of a a sell-out Hamden for a semi-final, I would have felt more confident in the Hearts players being able to handle that than possibly the Hibs players. And and I wasn't sure if that would sort of affect mm. how the game goes. But um, I definitely think from a, a playing perspective and even a fans' experience that, you know, imagine how good that would have been for Hearts fans on, on Saturday, you know, scoring a penalty late in extra time, five o'clock kickoff so it's perfect for getting trains or buses through and, and having the day in Glasgow it's just you know when it when probably fans are allowed back in and and it's not influenced as much the kickoff would have probably been 12 o'clock on a Sunday and it would have ruined everyone's plans <laughs> to get there so it just shows you that um you know you can play games at five o'clock on a Saturday when when everyone can get through but um yeah from a playing aspect the, the the quicker and obviously safely the fans can get back in, the better.
0: I don't want to. We don't have a whole lot of time, so I don't want to talk about the final too much. But um, how do you feel about it, Mark? First of all, um, it's obviously it's bizarre to think when I saw someone post next month's final, and I was like, oh Christ, yeah, yeah it's next month, isn't it? Um, how are you feeling about it? Because my feeling just now is it's not optimism of any sort. Celtic will go into it rightly as, as big favourites but to me it feels like a free hit and it's almost yeah. like why the hell not
1: I was uh, messaging back and forward and called mum and dad uh, after the game like I normally do after a hearts game and, and mum said that was my cup final today um, the, the hips game and I was like I, I, I can get that and I, I, I wanted Aberdeen to beat Celtic in the in the second semi to, I think that would give us a, a more of a chance I still think they would be decent favourites against us um, but it depends which Celtic we're getting right now. I would describe us as having a puncher's chance. I would think we, if Celtic were in the form of when they played against Rangers and when they played against Milan and they were poor against both, I'd be more optimistic. I was impressed by them. I thought they were very good. Um, the, Tom Rogic is is one. It's it's quite interesting. We've got Ryan on because Ryan will know him very well. I I love Tom Rogic as a player, and I, I, I I'm never sure why if he's not injured he's not involved at Celtic because he makes them tick. I think Scott Scott Brown's best years are past him. I think privately we've said that he's admitted that before, but Rogic at Hamden just has an unbelievable record, and he he again was was a key part of of that team. Um, what is he like as a teammate? Uh, Ryan and how big a threat would he be to Harps in the cup final if he starts
2: uh, I'm pretty confident he's never going to listen to this so I can kind of <laughs> pump him up a little bit otherwise, <laughs> otherwise I wouldn't be saying too much but yeah he's definitely um, you know, a very very good player and I think um, you know with all with what he's done, you know, when you talk about big game players, I think under Rogers one season, he scored in all the, all the old firms. I think he scored in the league cup final, scored in the Scottish cup final. He scored at Ibrox a good few times. Um, yeah. He just has that big game knack or of coming up with moments that, um, yeah, you know, win you games and when you're important games, he scored a fair few goals at Tyne Castle, which he loves telling me, but, um, Yeah, you know, he's just definitely one of those players that you hope has an off day if he's playing, um, especially in the in the cup final. But yeah, like you said, I think definitely got more than a a fighting chance. Um, You know, Celtic would have they were also Celtic won't have known too much about um, Hearts because they wouldn't have played them in in a fair little while. And I think sometimes um, they can get that advantage of I remember when I was at Dundee United, I think we played them like three or four times in a week, um, and I think we played them in a Scottish cup replay and then in the league and then in the league cup final, or I think the league cup final was the second time we played them. And I remember us as a playing group wishing or hoping that was the first game because you can just give it, you you know, by maybe the third or fourth time, similar to like the NBA final series, I guess. Once you play each other a numerous amount of times, you get to work out how each other is and, um, I think Celtic will be a little bit nervous because they won't know these players, or they won't have like what we went into into the derby. They won't know how these players will react against one another. They'll know that there will be a few dangerous players who will play against Naismith and a few players before, but there'll be a lot of players that Celtic will be a little bit of of the unknown. And um, yeah, I definitely think that can work in work in Hearts' favour for sure. And uh, yeah, he's hoping that they can they can win it on the twentieth of December.
0: I think that's almost almost brought us to the end of this week's show but uh, Mark you did say you had something to read out from our chairwoman
1: yeah I mentioned earlier the the comment I'd made about the weekend um, in an email I sent to Anne and I got a, a response back that simply said Mark I have to be honest and say that this was the very best result ever for me given what's gone on over the last few months I was desperate to win um, and I think that tells you how important the game was to Anne, uh, to the football club. She she also went on to say news about Mary certainly took the edge off things and, as so often happens, helps us all get things into perspective. Um, but that, when you think, having been involved in the football club since May 2014, it's not like we've got a top 10 of miraculous, brilliant experiences and wins in those six and a half years since she took over. There's been a lot of 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 problems uh, off the field, um with regards to more recent times when we've had all the issues, uh when we've ended up playing where we are now. Um so I think that was that was that was a big thing for for Anne. After everything that she's gone through and the club has gone through over the last six months or so. Um from the Dundee vote all the way through to the pandemic and everything like that—that's that's what it meant to her, and I think we can all echo echo that as as fans. And I'm sure she wouldn't mind me reading out um, that that email that that, that she sent me um, going forward. And maybe she's she's the same as as us. Maybe she she thinks you know what we were underdogs against Rangers in '98. We we won it. Um, we were underdogs against Celtic in in 2019. We lost it, but we took the lead and we gave them a fright. It's more than a puncher's chance, and that's all we can ask for. I tell you what, at least we've got at least we've got a game that can be postponed now in uh, in mid December. Unlike Hibernian, who have to play a normal league game and watch us on TV, I'm happy with that.
0: Ryan, it was obviously very it was emotional on Saturday, and I got a few messages in the game. I didn't see anything in commentary because. I didn't want to i didn't want to believe it and i also didn't want to say anything in case it wasn't true you know we were all hoping it wasn't true um it obviously it took it took something away from it but at the same time i think later on in the next day when you thought about it if there was any more fitting way to to honor marius on on that day that we got the tragic news it was beating Hibs at hamden
2: yeah i, I think for sure like we touched on earlier, I think, you know, before the game, you were thinking, nah, there's no way that can, that's true, you know. Uh, I was trying to work out exactly his age, I was thinking he's only a few years older than me. Um, and then, half time, when they sort of, the uh, BBC confirm it, it, it does make it that sort of, you know, makes the football game as such. Irrelevant and shows the importance of it. Is, it? puts it in perspective massively. And then, but then also when you when they win and um, and you see all like the tweets and the mo- like montages and hear all the stories, you just like, you know, what a good way that the footballing world has reflected on. You know, the footballing gods have have put that in that you know the the biggest image that Hearts fans will have of Mario Alyukas is him lifting the cup at Hampden and and the day that all the Hearts fans. Found out about his tragic loss was that they were watching Hibs beat Hearts at Hamden. and I think that has a real, in a weird, strange way, a real nice um, thing about it. And you know, I'm sure that eyes would have been proudly watching down on on the boys, and yeah, he's hoping that they can do it in December and and make it, you know, extra special for sure.
0: Before we get to the end, I'm going to close out and use the frightened rabbits version of the Heart song, sung by the late. Scott Hutchison. So I thought I'd, I should mention, um, if I'm going to use that, the fact that um, the Hearts team wore the shirts with tiny changes on them in the warm up um, when they took the Hamden pitch ahead of the semi final, which is um, the band's FC's Frightened Rabbits football shirts. They bear the name of the charity Tiny Changes, which is uh, was founded in 2019 in memory of uh, Hutchison, after he sadly passed as well. Um, And it raises funds and awareness to support mental health of young people in Scotland. Um, Because I'm using this song and because Hearts were wearing those shirts on Saturday, I thought I should mention that. And you can find out more at tinychanges.com. Thank you for joining us, Ryan. Really appreciate it. Um, I know you've, you're busy with your little one and you are also want to spend as much time with her and you've got training to stick to as well but um, hopefully the close season all goes well and you, you have a very successful last year I'm going to say with Sydney FC before you come back over here and, and finish your career with Hearts <laughs> <laughs> which could mean six or seven years with Hearts but that just gives you time to add to those Hamden victories against Hibbs.
2: No, I'd love that I'd love to do that but yeah thank you again for, for having me on and um, yeah, hopefully we can have a, a cup final winning reunion with me uh, tuning in from Australia.
1: Definitely. One last thing, Laurie, before we all go, um, Scott Wilson posted something on Facebook, which will be interesting to see if it if it if it actually happens. Cause I think it's a really good idea um, ahead of the uh, cup final. His suggestion is that if, if Hearts could all wear. Hearts players could to wear the number 26 on their sh- uh, shorts. Mm. I think Celtic have done this before. just—it just—it's just one of those things that makes total sense. It would Be a lovely nod. You were talking about the warm-up gear that, that Hearts wore prior to the game against Hibernian as a a little nod and a a, a chance to raise further funds. That would be a, a nice touch. Uh, and then yeah. those shorts could per- potentially be auctioned off afterwards um, for MND. Um, I thought that was a really good idea from from Scott Wilson whether it happens I don't know but it certainly, uh, it certainly made sense
0: yeah definitely um, Hearts are back in action next week and we will talk about the game against Inverness next week we've not got much time to preview that but I'm sure you can imagine that things have been put in perspective over the weekend and we felt it was um, important to talk about Hearts former number 26 who was taken from us at the age of just 36, he made more appearances for Hearts than any other overseas player. 222 competitive games, 15 goals. He won 25 caps for his country. Of course, was a winner with the Jambos at Hamden Park. A rags-to-riches story in many ways, from an unconvincing midfielder to a cup-winning skipper. A man who proved so many wrong and etched his name in Gorgie folklore arrived as an unknown left as a legend Marius Salucus, 1983 to 2020 rest in peace
4: captain A oh, way up in Gorgay at Tyne Castle Park There's a wee football team not to like its mark They've won all the honors of footballing arts the other team to go with the hearts h-e-a-r-t-s
1: if
4: you can't spell it then you're... driver
3: tries again all the keepers come for it not very convincing and it's been turned in by zaliukas
4: and hearts have struck late on
3: Safe, but has been put in. Hearts have the lead. And it's Zaliukas who bounces. Michan was up there, Foster. Zaliukas! It fell for Zaliukas and he guided it into the net. Hearts have the second after 54 minutes. They're keeping the dream alive.
4: We won
3: the league flag Big Thompson this time there, Zaliukas! Surely that's a winning goal, but just two minutes remaining. It's no more idle talk, The defence is as
4: strong as the old. A-T-A, R-T-S, if you can smell spell it, then here's what it says. The Blacks corner, Zaliukas
3: has broken away. Manius and Lucas helps himself to a simple goal. Now, this Rabados is going to take a place over here inside of me. And all the time, I'm going to come to visit over here this team to watch the game. And it's, it's brilliant. And a very big party tonight. Oh, and tomorrow as well. Well done. Thank you. The Rangers and Santa Clara, but
4: the boys in London are the best.